The Braving Business Podcast is brought to you by, well, me. I'm PJ Benoit and have been in the domestic and international logistics and transportation field for over three decades. Are you looking to ship literally anything, direct to consumer or business to business, small package, pallet and freight, truckload, international air and ocean, warehousing and distribution, and so much more? Let's connect. Go to shipwithpj.com to learn more. That's shipwithpj.com. And now for the show. Hi, and welcome to the Braving Business Podcast. Today, we have the wonderful Miss Kristen Fitch on. She's a podcaster, an online business and technology strategic consultant, and an entrepreneur. She is the podcast host and producer of several podcasts, including Building a Life That You Love, which is a top 10% podcast, and Faith-Fueled Women, also a top 10% podcast. Uh, podcast. She speaks regularly. She writes podcasts and advises on technology, building an online business, leadership, self-development, creativity, and faith. Kristen, it's an honor to have you on with Tal and I on the Braving Business Podcast. I am so excited to be here. And I love that the the topics that you guys are covering in the show. And I think it's so needed because what entrepreneurs really need is they need to be encouraged in the times when it's hardest and the times when we're struggling the most. So I love it. Well, and you know what? I, and for those of you that are watching on YouTube, um, you're noticing probably that PJ is now wearing his hat. And uh, it, these, these must be hard times. You know, PJ's recently started a new business. And uh, I, can you not afford a haircut? Is that what's going on? Wow. Wow. My gosh. All right. So I guess it's pile on PJ day. Um, no, not at all. I mean, just <laughs> noticing. I'm, I'm just noticing. You know what? I wanted to look nice for Kristen. She is she's a, a wonderfully accomplished woman, and so I wanted to make sure that I, you know, kind of showed. I'm not going to change out of t-shirts, but I'm going to show at least that you know I showered. That's always good. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Did you blow dry your hair? Because it looks a little blow dry. No. Anyway, Tal, um, <laughs> nice glasses. <laughs> yeah, you noticed. Wow, I, I'm, I, I'm impressed. I, I well, you know. And I, I stare at your face all day, so I, I should notice these yes. things. Yeah, so, I uh, I am uh, I'm experimenting. You know, one a, a former guest said something that was that I should date eyewear, and you know, I'd never thought about dating eyewear. It's hard enough to date humans, but um, I I gotta say I'm uh, I'm I'm kind of liking switching it up a little bit. So uh, you know, I'm going a little wider with these frames. Uh, in future episodes, I'll be wearing wireless. So I'll be I'll be I'll be I'll wow. be surprising you with my eyewear. Um, is, uh, you'll never know what you're going to get, PJ. It's like a box of chocolates. <laughs> it's going to be like costume changes. It's going to be like an Elton John concert, like just wild stuff all the Absolutely. time. It's going to be Speaking great. Speaking about, you know what? Speaking of concerts, you have tomorrow night, and you know this episode is is going to be broadcast in September. But tomorrow night, I'm in Tampa Bay, and uh, uh, we're in mid August, and Beyonce is performing in Tampa Bay, and I'm going to see Beyonce. I'm so excited. That's, that's awesome. yeah, that's going to. I be... hear she puts on a hell of a show she does i actually just saw pink at uh wrigley field here in chicago um this past weekend she's awesome oh my god how was she oh fantastic yeah. how long is her show i, I hear beyonce's show is three hours long pink easily could have been three hours yeah. she played uh -huh. i want to say she played two hours in a little bit because we have hard stops in chicago so she couldn't like eke out for for too long but it was it was amazing she was flying everywhere it was great 
That's awesome. Well, I can't wait to see Beyonce. I'll uh, I'll I'll report back after I do. <laughs> anyway, Kristen, thank you so much for being here. I'm so so happy that you chose to be with us today. And uh, um, your story is amazing. What you've accomplished is amazing. Um, and as we discussed before the podcast, we are not here necessarily to celebrate accomplishments. Not that there's anything wrong with accomplishments. We all wish to have them. We are here to actually discuss setbacks. We're here to discuss the humanity. Uh, of being in business. And uh, why don't we start from the very top? Um, talk to me about what got you interested in mm. business. Sure. So let's see. So it was, it was probably late 90s, which I know that uh, ages me a little bit, but uh, that I started working for a media company. And so uh, you when are talking I did... to two men in there in uh, that are either 50 or above. So yeah. uh, you're not aging yourself. I, I, I thought you were talking about just yesterday afternoon. <laughs> Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I think we're all similar age in a similar age range. But uh, mm -hmm. but anyway, so I worked in media for some time. And actually, my mom was a artist, children's book author and illustrator. And we used to go. So on the side, you know, so it's kind of a side hustle for me. I did uh, licensing, like I was a licensing agent for people that had artwork that they wanted to put on product. And so I would go and represent my mom and a couple other artists at shows at the Javits Center in New York City. And from doing that, we, uh, you know, we had some successes. We got some product in Target and Walmart and, you know, other places, dollar store. But it's kind of you were beholden to them picking your design. And a lot of people wanted to buy designs outright. So the point is, is we eventually realized, gosh, all her characters, all her art could be applied online and we could make it our own business. And so, you know, spin that out a bit into, into 2008, I had left my job in media and we started a company. I co-founded the company with my mom uh, in 2008 called Ziggity Zoom, which ended up becoming what an, an educational, awesome name. Yeah. It's an awesome uh, educational name. technology company. And so basically it was in the early education space. Uh, we ended up providing workbooks and ebooks and uh, we did seven game apps and things like that. But anyway, so the, the way that we became, I became an entrepreneur was by working with my mom and seeing that we had the opportunity to pair my background in tech and online marketing with her not or her expertise in being an artist and um, being able to kind of create content based on that early education family space. How was that? How was how was the early goings of working with mom? <laughs> Luckily, I have the opposite of most people's moms, meaning. She let me kind of run the show. She would do whatever I said. And literally, like, I could be like, Mom, you need to, like, knock out a workbook tomorrow. She would do it. You know what I mean? So there was never any. I oh, was nice. kind of in charge, right? I was considered the CEO, if you will. And she's a good workhorse, you know? And actually, my mom's about to turn 80. And oh. she's probably the most technology um, able 80-year-old I know. And she's very fit. But anyway, she's mostly into her artwork at this point. But yeah, she, so it was actually really great to work with her. And our creativity when we worked together, when we were in town together was, you know, it was electrifying. You know, we were just on it. You know, That's it was amazing. pretty awesome. That's awesome. I, I can only picture my mom. Um, uh, she's no longer with us, but had she been around and had I started a company with her, uh, I am sure half of this would be about business and the other half is, would be about, you know, did I do my laundry? Is my, is my, is my house clean enough? Right. Like <laughs> it would be those kind of things. So oh. no, that's and awesome. I still get that because I have three sons to the Durham college or college age. And let me tell you, it's a lot of, oh my gosh, your room is so messy and all those things. So I kind of, I can kind of get that. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate. I, I only have uh, my youngest, who's 20 and going into his junior year at Tufts, and uh, and uh, he's the only one that's still home, and he is terribly messy. Fortunately for me, he's only here a few weeks in the summer, and he spends the, the some weeks with my ex-wife in Long Island. And the time that he's here, while well, I enjoy having him, I love having him, it really stresses me out to come into that room. It's amazing how much stuff he can pile up. I'm talking about <laughs> bottles of water by the bed. I'm talking yeah. about bags of uh, of carry out food or more or more often ordered in food. Uh, and he's sitting in his room and, and doesn't seem to bother him whatsoever. I, I don't understand that. I don't understand how people can do that. Not judging, just saying. <laughs> I, I can just say not that we're talking about uh, anything yeah. so much on this show, but having three sons at home, so one's in high school, two in college, I have walked in their bathroom before and literally thought, how can anyone live this way? It is so disgusting. I mean, like toilet paper rolls on the ground, empty. And you're yep. thinking... This you knew at six how to like clean your bathroom properly, but somehow that's gone out the window. It's pretty shocking. It's pretty shocking. It, it, pretty it gets shocking. it does get better. I mean, for for, for most people, it gets better. <laughs> Not everyone. So. Um, yeah. Let's talk about you know. I mean, you, you, Ziggity Zoom is is you know is 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 a business that you've you 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 focus a lot of time and attention on. What prompted you to keep pushing, uh, keep going forward, uh, trying to pursue other and bolder initiatives? Yeah, you know, and so a couple of things with that. First of all, so Ziggity Zoom, like I said, we started in 2008 and we were a bare bones, just two of us, you know, ran the company. And yes, I, I had help on occasion. Like we had a, a designer for a short period of time that would be paid full time, but mostly we would just, you know, it was contract work or it was rev share agreements, you know, so that's a lot of ways. I was always very creative and agile on figuring out how to work with people for not a lot of money. And so, and that doesn't mean to undermine their work. What my point is, is we didn't have a huge budget at that point. And so I had to get, you know, a creative. Anyways, so when we started the company, first it started out with a lot of content creation. And, but over time we realized, you know, um, obviously we added our advertising there at some point, but then down the road, we were able to get a deal with Barnes and Noble when their Nook was actually a, a thing, you know, it's not really a thing so much and it was ever, never really done well, but we had 35 ebooks with them on their Nook platform. And so for some period of time, you know, that was actually bringing in some decent revenue. And then we spun out into doing these, uh, you know, the iPhone game apps and six were for children and one was an adult game app. It was like, it was kind of like words with friends in the sense of it was in that same space. And so with each one of these things, we had some success. For instance, our Ziggity Zoom over time reached, I think, cumulatively 10, over 10 million users I don't remember the page views, maybe it was 500 million or something. So while that's small for a lot of people, right? Because mine wasn't monthly, it was cumulative. We had a lot of milestones we hit that were looked really good. But our revenue milestones never really hit what they should have. And to be honest, one of the reasons for that is we both had too many hats to wear and I could never find the right partner to bring on that could really help us with growth um, in the online space, the early education space to grow our revenues. And so we really struggled to be honest with you. And speaking of size, cause you, you talked, uh, you know, you talked to us before, before this interview about how sometimes entrepreneurs make their lives more difficult by pretending to be bigger than they actually are. Can, mm -hmm. can you talk about that? Sure. So in 2008, when we started, you know, sure. Blogging was a big thing. And part of our site was somewhat like blogging, but it was more uh, providing content and resources for people than it was about like our personal story. And so because of that, we felt like we were competing with people like Family Fun or, 
you know, some of the smaller Disney properties or, or sites they bought. And so we thought, oh, we need to, we need to seem bigger than we are. But, you know, what I learned later on is really people really, they, they align more with that, you being your authentic self and us having celebrated that we were a two women owned mother daughter team and we were really small. And so we weren't using that to our advantage. And so really, if we're honest about our size, if we're honest about where we're at, how we're doing and what we need, people can come in that you start to know that what might mentor you or the groups you're in and help you where you need help. But if you're not telling people, you know what, we're, we're really struggling with this revenue piece over here or this growth piece, how can anybody know, right, that the circles I was in, that I needed help in that area? And so what I learned is being really transparent and really sharing with, with a small group of people where you're at and what your struggles are. So whether that's in a mastermind or a small group of other you know, CEOs or entrepreneurs, you need a safe space where you can deal with some of those challenges safely. And how would, how would you go about asking for help in, in those, in those situations? Do you mean um, like what I dealt with, or do you mean if I'm in a, if you're in a small group? Either one, like, um, I'm sorry, go ahead. Sure. Well, yeah. So I think, okay. So for instance, if you were in a small group with other like-minded people that were also building their businesses, a lot of people I know that have done those, and I've done some myself often uh, either monthly or quarterly you get an opportunity to kind of say like, what is a, what's kind of your struggle? What do you need help with? So I think you need to have open dialogue to talk about maybe what's your biggest struggle or hurdle right now and what's your goal. And then getting feedback from that group of people on how, you know, strategies or who you might connect with to help you. And, 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 and did you struggle with that? I mean, when you were a young entrepreneur, was that a difficult thing to do? And why do you think? Yeah. And well, actually, I don't think it was from a lack of me being willing to share that stuff. I think a couple things. I have no problem. And I've often been in a room where it's all guys and me. I have three older brothers, younger sister. I have all sons. Like I'm very comfortable being around men. But I will tell you, I've been in the room so many times. I remember going to this um, event right around when I'd started my business. It was all men. I mean, it was like 40 men and me. For like five months, I was the only lady showing up. And then eventually some women showed up. But, you know, first of all, I think you're already trying to, I think I tried to fit in instead of realizing that my uniqueness was what was actually the special sauce, right? So in other words, I think I always was thinking, oh, I need to be more like all the guys in the room that have these tech companies or this thing or this successful business. So I was trying to maybe emulate being more like that instead of realizing all the unique qualities and all my own skill set I brought to the table. And so I think I either would be a little quieter or I would uh, try to like, oh, well, these are things I've done that are similar to what they've done. Do you know what I mean? And so I don't think it was so much because I didn't want to share it as either there wasn't the opportunity at that time, like it wasn't all people at my same level, you know, like, and, and I felt like a lot of people that I was connecting with. So I had a network None of them had built an online business in my area that I personally knew that had scaled it and made it really big. I knew people, you know, on the West Coast, DC, New York, all these other places, but I didn't live in those places. And so my network at that time, right, 2008, was much smaller in those spaces. Interesting. And, and I, I think about a conversation we had with another guest, um, and the topic was authenticity and uh, and, and being honest. Um, 
did you find in, in your earlier days, just kind of getting your footing as an entrepreneur, did you find transparency and vulnerability to be very difficult? Um, a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with that. Um, or was it something that came naturally to you? Some people are fortunate like that. I think it just depends on what I was doing at the time. You know, so when we started Ziggity Zoom, I guess it was more, you know, head down every day. I wasn't even thinking about words like that, you know, whereas now I feel like those are words I hear weekly, you know, on podcasts. And I talk about those things on my, you know, my podcast. So I think uh, as there was more information about these kind of things, you know, people talked about these things more. It's a lot easier to be more authentic and vulnerable because we realize that that's how people connect. Humans connect with each other when they can relate to the person, relate to the story, relate to the struggle or the wins. And when you don't share those things and it's all just like, yay, look what I did. It's not relatable in the same way. And so, uh, yeah, I definitely, when I was first starting out, I, I don't think I knew that, right. I wasn't educated that that was actually a good thing to do. Interesting. So in the beginning, like, so it's you and your mom and you guys are clearly doing well. I mean, I, I'm not in the app space, so I don't, I don't know what the numbers mean, but if someone told me, yeah, I got 500 million views or whatever else, I'm like, well, that's pretty darn good. Right. I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing how, and, and, and you didn't know people that were in your space locally that you knew that had scaled. So how did you overcome that? Like what, how did you focus on that to ensure that you were able to get to the next levels that you wanted to attain? Yeah, well, to be honest with you, I mean, what one of the challenge was is we never solved. We never solved the um, growing. Our, I mean, the growing numbers wasn't the issue. Our revenue numbers really never reached where they could have and should have. I mean, there's no question about it. And so, eventually, honestly, I burned out from mm -hmm. from running, trying to run a company and build it into something more successful than it was. And I just started feeling pulled towards other interests I had. But I know part of that is because if you're not hitting metrics like revenue, which is kind of important as being a business, guess what? At some point I'm going to be like, is this worth my time? Is it go? Because if I'm going to pay us and then build a company, right? It just, the numbers weren't working at some point. And some of our revenue streams started to die, not from things we were doing. Like the book, Barnes and Noble's Nook wasn't that great, right? And so over time, it it kind of floundered. And we had some of those on um, Amazon's place, but they have billions of books, basically, right? And so it's really hard to show up there and, and uh, make sales if you it, for eBooks. They were eBooks at the time. But anyway, so I think the point was um, a lot of things happened, but, but one of my learnings, right? Because I don't think they're failures. I think even if I didn't spin that business off to the size it should have been, every lesson I took from that now makes me a better entrepreneur or consultant in the future because I've already lived through those pains and I've learned from those uh, the things that I had to walk through as hard as they might have been. And so I, we still own the company, but I'm not working in it on it in a full-time capacity. Okay. So, so Kristen, I don't want to uh, move past what actually happened in those moments where mm -hmm. you were contemplating um, moving on and doing other things. And you were living with the reality that you weren't getting the results you wanted. Um, so I, I think it's great. And I think, you know, uh, for all, all our listeners and viewers, you should absolutely take away that this is the very 
point of our uh, of braving business. Uh, if you persevere and you're brave and 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 you carry on, which doesn't mean, by the way, sometimes not moving on from something. Sometimes you have to, uh, but if you are brave and you do persevere, on the other side of that is uh, is oftentimes uh, a lot of satisfaction, lessons learned, and success. But in the moment, in the moment, it feels like shit. Yeah. Yeah. I talk can to tell me you about, about how, talk to, talk yeah. to me about that. Talk to us about that. Well, I can tell you, you know how much more crappy it feels when your mom's in business with you and she's potentially trying to have that as income that she lives off of. So if you say, I'm stepping away because I need to do what's best for me and we're not getting to where we need to go, that's not a fun feeling, is it? Like, so while my mom, of course, didn't hold that against me, there was no issues. It's It's still to this day, you know, bothers me to some level. There's no question about it. And I know that it, even now, like we still sell workbooks, we still, you know, get traffic, even though I'm barely, you know, touching that stuff. It's still the potential to actually not be what it was because it's a different time, but it's still there kind of like sitting there and it, it does haunt me, right? It calls, it calls me back to kind of work on it, but I'm building other things. So I don't have the resources or time. What, what conversation, what conversations did you have with yourself at the time? Were you angry with yourself? Were you sat? Were you disappointed? Did you feel responsible? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think for sure I felt partly responsible, right? Like I should be able to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it did in that time feel like failure. It felt like failure because I saw all the good metrics. I saw all the amazing content we created. I saw the people that we provided content to you know, so many amazing things. Like our email list was 50,000 people. I mean, we did everything organically, but we never spent a dollar on advertising, nothing. It was all just, I mean, I understood SEO. I understood a lot of things at that time. So it was all just implementation, right? But it took a lot of time. And so I knew though, I had three sons about to go to college. And while, you know, yes, we had money and whatever, it was like, I, I couldn't justify not paying myself more or down the road for the hope that it was going to become this way bigger, you know, huge payoff down the road. Like I felt like I'd put in enough time and I kind of had to move on at least for a period of time, right? I had to take a break away from it because I was kind of exhausted and I was getting cross-eyed, right? Like like feeling like you're hitting your head against the wall and you're like, this is not resolving, you know? So I needed to step away and take a consulting gig that, you know, paid me well and let me do something different for a time. It's so let me, I can relate. Yeah. And, and I'd, I'd like to ask both of you this question then. Um, we're all entrepreneurs. I don't know if there's an entrepreneur out there that doesn't have failure. Um, you know, cause if you, if you're an entrepreneur and you never had failure, well, either you're incredibly lucky or actually that's it. You're just incredibly lucky. So, um, from a, you know, I, back in middle aughts, 2005, I had my own company. It was a custom-made blue jean company. It did extremely well. And I was so incredibly vested in it, just emotionally and physically and um, monetarily. Financially. Yeah, the whole thing, right? And it was my brass ring, right? I I had a, a handle on that. And there was nothing stopping me. Like, just like Kristen said, all the guerrilla marketing, all the all the grassroots effort, efforts to get it going, um, it did unbelievably well. And then because of forces way outside of my purview, all of a sudden it just failed, 
right? Like the, I was making, uh, making them in, in, uh, in Mexico and the largest textile manufacturer in the world, or sorry, in Latin America. And, um, because of trade regulations, all of a sudden, all the, all this, uh, the brands that were manufacturing in that factory went to China. And so they, my factory lost a third of their workforce overnight. And then all of a sudden everything that was going well, the next day was terrible. And so it was, it was a hard, it was a hard fall for, for me mentally. Um, because, because I was so tied into it and because I was so wrapped into it. And I, I even went to therapy about it because, you know, and my therapist was like, oh my gosh, you know, I've heard of you. I've heard of the company. You should be proud of yourself that you, you did this. I'm like, yeah, but I failed. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I failed. It's no longer around. And, and, um, and I took a lot of that on myself and it took me a long time to work through that, to understand that failure is really a lesson that Mm -hmm. you can learn from. It's a, it's a friggin' hard lesson though. (laughs) But how did, you know, like how I know you work past it. I know you're able to go, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to get this consulting gig, which is awesome. And and now you can actually have food on the table, which is great. And, um, and all that, but what, what steps did you take to get you past that? For, for me, it was just like rock bottom. Like, how did you, what, what steps did you take to get past that? Yeah. So I think, uh, one is I, I'm a, you know, I'm typically an optimist or I say a realistic optimist, right? I'm not over the top far that way. But uh, so one, it's that I'm going to try to see the upside, right? What, how, what can I garner from this moment? What can I garner from me doing this? Uh, can I come back later? But then also it's, you know, for me, faith's important and I, I get it. Not all the listeners, this may be. But for me, uh, it was really interesting. What happened is I had talked, I told my mom literally on a phone call, hey, if we don't, by the end of the year, get the revenue to a better place, I'm going to be looking for something else. And I was thinking more, not a full-time, you know, consulting thing. I wasn't, I was just stated, making a statement to her, but I said it out loud. The next day I had an old colleague reach out to me about an opportunity out of the blue, right. For a full-time consulting gig. And I was like, that feels a little bit like divine timing. Like I, I literally admitted it. I, I like, I shared it. I didn't just have the thought in the back of my head or like, I might need to, I said it. And it was, so for me, I kind of followed that bread, those breadcrumbs, right. And had the conversation with my old, you know, friend and colleague, and then with, you know, other colleagues of his, and it worked out. So for me, I kind of trust, I have faith that where I'm being led, how my, uh, the things I do, the things I try, all of them are lining up for that next thing. The things I learned, for instance, in that consulting gig, one of the many things I did, because I was doing marketing, I was a marketing technology director. I actually was running their podcast. And oh, by the way, I bought my podcast five years before I started my podcast. It took me that long to get back to starting it. So the point though is, is for me, it's that I believe everything is going to work for my favor or for my right? Benefit in the long run, even if that means I had to stop something or I feel like I failed at something, I know that there's always an upside. And I always know that I've learned things from it. And I try to be aware of those things. So, so you, you did in fact pivot and you started to a very successful podcast, building a life you love and faith fueled women. Uh, 
tell us about that. Tell us about the decision to get into podcasting. Did you view it as a business or did you view it as a hobby? Yeah. So I, so like I said, I bought the microphone five years prior to starting my show, which I started the first one in mid 2021. And so I knew I wanted to get into that space, but, and I think it was because while I haven't been doing a ton of writing regularly at the moment, I have done some writing. And of course I was doing online blogging or, or reviews and things, but I kept feeling this pull to help to really encourage people and help people see that they can step off the path of expectation and move into the path, you know, like the path, the life they want. Right. And, and that they can have purpose and impact and both in their homes and their lives. And so that's really one of my goals. And so I started the show because I, I love talking to people. I love having conversations. You know, I love just getting to share those conversations and the, the learnings with people, right? And the, and the podcasting, is an, it's a very intimate way to do that. And in case you didn't know, um, it's very hard to keep people watching a YouTube video for over three minutes or something like that. But on podcasts, most people are listening to, you know, 30 to one hour long podcast. It's a one, it's because they're doing it passively, right? They're on their car or they're cooking dinner. They're on a walk. YouTube, you have to be focusing on your computer or on your phone. And I'm not talking about video game YouTube. My sons do that all day long, you know, but I'm talking about this sort of another and so, mystery of youth. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. But anyway, oh, so, I, I so I started the first one, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and I loved the concept of it. But to be honest with you, for the first year or longer, I have bounced around, meaning that, yes, it's uh, my podcast, Building Life You Love, is, is under the entrepreneurship, business entrepreneurship area. But I have also just slightly tested with it under self-improvement or uh, some other areas. And that is still, I guess we'd call it more of a hobby. I've made some money off of it, but it's pretty... Um, it's pretty small potato so far, but the main reason is I've tested out what's what are the topics, even though it's always been the same thing. Theme last year, I even had changed it for some period of time, maybe three months, to business and breakthroughs. Uh, because, but here's the thing: I could talk about almost any topic, literally. Like I'm very much a generalist. I have a tech podcast I've tested, right? Like I have all these other ones. But the the thing is, is if it's the deepest down in my soul, what conversations do I want to have? And while I love talking about business, and most of my shows are people that have started businesses, it's about so much more, okay? And so that's really why I've not just said, this is what I promote and sell on my podcast, or I've you know, done these things. It's because I was trying to figure it out. I was allowing myself that space, which not everybody has that kind of runway, believe me, you know, where you have to make as much money as possible quickly. But I gave myself space so that I knew it was going to be something I loved for a long time to come. And the second one, just real quick, Faithfield Woman happened because I truly felt like God was prompting me to be more open about my faith because most of my life, it's kind of been like this separate compartment. Even on my business podcast, when it started, you know, I, that wasn't a topic I mostly talked about, whereas now it, that's woven in a little bit more with some of my guests. And so really, um, you know, and actually my Building a Life You Love is actually now a top 5% podcast. But my numbers are better for my faith field woman, and that is building faster than my other podcast. Wow! Wow! Good for you! Congratulations! It's amazing. <laughs> but it's still a work in progress, right? And actually, this fall is going to be a big push for me to try to monetize it more because I I haven't focused on that, which I now advise people, and we can talk about that. But how I would do it differently. 
That's amazing. I, I I know that you know one of the uh, one of the interesting things um, in general. I think that uh, that is not appreciated uh, is that it's not only uh, hard to be an entrepreneur; it's hard to be a woman entrepreneur. Did Did you feel that you know being a woman entrepreneur, uh, whether it was in podcasting or beforehand, did you feel any added burden? Did you feel like you were uh, judged more harshly or, or faced, uh, any, any different, uh, challenges than, than male entrepreneurs? Yeah. You know, um, so, so while I, I don't really think about those things a lot because I'm sort of just like a, you have your, what you want to do, right. Go take care of it. But I will say yes. And it's not so, or two things. One, there's less representation of women building businesses, especially ones that really scale, which obviously I still haven't done that fully to the fullest level. But two, there's not even a lot of people, there's more women podcasting now, but like of successful shows, it's still such a small representation, right? Of women that are running shows. Uh, And I follow a lot of women that have shows, but it's still, the numbers are still there. They're a lot lower. So one, there's less examples, although today versus 15 years ago, there's a lot more examples of women coming on and having these conversations. But I will share the story with you. When I first had my, maybe my first two kids, I was working for that that media company. And I remember I had, I was one of the first people. So think about it. This was, this was close to 20 years ago. I was able to get my media company. I had put together a proposal to get people to be able to work remote back then, two days a week, like my web designers, my developers. And so I worked from home on Fridays. And after work, if I had like that side business, if I had a call or something, or even a work call, it, my kids would be at daycare during the day and then they would be home, you know, late afternoon. If I had a call, you know, they'd be in another room. I guess my husband must have been home by then or someone was over. So I was, you know, doors closed in the office, but I was horrified if my kid would come to the door. I, I was like, oh my gosh, they're going to think like I'm not serious about business because look, she's a mommy. And in the the local newspaper wrote an article when we first started Ziggity Zoom about us. And do you know what they called it? It was, they called it mommy webmaster. They wouldn't have said daddy webmaster. So yes, it's always different and you're always regarded differently or you're not regarded to the same level until you make it to a certain level, I guess you could say. Yeah. You know, you know, I think one thing that has changed and, and you know, there's been many things that COVID made so much harder. Uh, but it's more acceptable now to uh, to to be human and have a family life. Uh, you know, having I I my dog is with me all the time. He's uh, he's my constant companion, and uh, people watch him. You know, when I don't have a background, they watch him walking behind me, and uh, and and it's fun. Uh, and and even having your kids run around uh, can be fun. And you know, to those of you that are uh, starting businesses, whether you're uh, you know, whether you're mommies or daddies, uh, that have your little, your kids, particularly little ones running around, don't feel, don't feel that that's the people are going to judge you, uh, for that. I think if anything, uh, it's endearing and it makes people realize, you know, this person is doing it for something. Um, so just, just a, a word for those of you that may be struggling with the fact that you have little ones running around as oh, you're trying to start your business. Remember the, the beginning of, was it the beginning of COVID? It was either right at the beginning of COVID or possibly right before that. There was that video of a gentleman um, with a suit on 
talking on a Zoom, and his daughter came in. You know, is a little, I a love little that. toddler it was on TV. Like, I think. Doo, 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 doo. Yep. Yeah, it was. <laughs> That was amazing because we're we're all Fantastic. human and we all have yeah. lives and and we have things to go and or and do and I, you know, I've been lucky enough uh, to even though I'm not as as much of a trailblazer as you, Kristen, I've I have been lucky enough to be uh, kind of working remote for the last uh, probably six years now, six or seven years, and and just the the change of lifestyle and and the the sense of inner peace that I have. It's so much better. So, so for me, my my entire company, all my employees are are remote, and it's mm-hmm. it's just so much better. I think. Absolutely. Just me. Well, and I do want to just add, uh, Tal, absolutely, because I that was the whole point is that so many years ago, that's how I felt that I would be judged. I absolutely agree that one of the benefits, not that there's a lot from COVID, was that everybody is dealing with these things, right? Our kids. If you have kids, your all of our kids were home for some period of time trying to be educated, or you're you know, having to feed them and take breaks. So I love it. I a hundred percent think it's one of the most amazing things that happened. And actually I can top the, that's the uh, news story that showed that guy with his kid. I was interviewing, doing a podcast interview with one of my guests and her kids were in the other room. I guess someone was watching them and one of her young children. I mean, must've been two or something little in a diaper comes in just in a diaper toddling around Climbs on the counter desk, something behind her, and strips the diaper off in the video. <laughs> oh now gosh. that video has never gone live yet, but it, you know, if I ever get to babies all up, that I would mean, be a to hit. me, she was horrified. I was like, "Oh my god, that was like the best part of my whole day." Like, I, <laughs> I absolutely loved it, and it was amazing. Like, I thought it was just so fun. So, so Kristen, now you're working on building a podcasting network. You're also expanding into books. Talk to us about it. what does a podcasting network look like? What is it that you're trying to build, uh, and why are you doing it? Yeah. And so uh, for for now, right, because it's just me doing way too much still. And yes, I've learned that lesson. So hopefully by the end of the year, I'll have some help with my you know, podcasting efforts uh, so that I can do some of these bigger things. But really, uh, my goal with the podcasting network is two things. I think people are very overall, not everyone, is very disconnected from both their selves, uh, that could be emotions, whatever, um, from others, from God and from nature. And, and the second thing, right, look at the level of loneliness right now, the level, level of anxiety and depression. Um, you know, we, we're dealing with some of that in our in my own house, right, you know, in the last year as well. So that, for one, um, I want to create content that's both inspiring, it's encouraging, it's useful, and it's uplifting because I think there's too much dark content in the world currently. And I think it's hurting us, right? I think it's hurting us as a culture. There's a lot of divisiveness in the world. So I want to bring, not that other people aren't doing this, but I want to bring a light. I want to bring a light to remind people that you matter, that you have purpose, that you have value and worth right now, today. And I want to share those stories and I want to you know, uplift people. And so I want to create a network. Um, for instance, a couple of the topics, of course, some of them I've tested, some of them I haven't, but these are both books and podcast uh, concepts I've already fleshed out and, and uh, kind of tested or mocked up, I should say. One is called One Kind Word. One is Inspiration Mentors. It goes on and on, but I have a whole list. And these are things that have been in my mind or written out, like outlines for several years. So they're not necessarily new things. And eventually it might become a network of well, lots more people. But originally I would just release, um, you know, five to eight shows that, you know, I might have co-hosts. I mean, there's lots of different things, but it would really just to be what I said, that mission of trying to, you know, provide inspirational, encouraging and educational content to people, especially women 
so that we can improve our lives and we can literally show up the way we're meant to show up and serve in our purpose and sort of uh, passions. That's amazing. (laughs) Thanks. We'll see what I pull off. Right. (laughs) Well, anything that we can do, you know, cause we're, we are a stalwart in the business podcast world. Um, anything we can do to help out. Yeah. We aspire to be. Yeah. Well, we, we should, we should talk, but that's going to be boring to our audience. Let's, uh, (laughs) let's get a little light. You, uh, you have talked about the fact that, uh, when you were younger, you were a lifeguard and that there were a lot of lessons of lifeguarding that you actually think apply to business. Can you tell us some of those lessons? Yeah. Well, you know, I get it. People think of lifeguarding and they think of Baywatch, right? And the red bathing suits and the buoys. And actually that was true. Our our area did wear red bathing suits. But beyond that, right, I don't live in an area where you have full-time lifeguards. It's just in the summer. And a lot of the people that are lifeguarding are, you know, 16 to 25. Uh, and so I was 16, 17 when I did this, which is a big responsibility, right? To guard the beach, right? There's a lot of variables in that. And so the things that I noticed, even at 16 and 17, that really are similar to businesses, you know, as a lifeguard, you have to scan the waters, right? You have to scan the beach, scan the waters. You have to know what's going on around you. You have to understand it, right? And it's much like your business. You have to know what's going on in your business, but you also need to know what's coming. You know, what else is out there? What's on the, what's the trends that are about to come? Kind of like AI now. And then the third thing is, is you have to know what are the threats that are coming? You know, is there a storm off in the distance? Is there a little kid that's wandering in his diaper into the beach and you you notice it before he gets too deep? And so that's the first thing, right? Is you have to scan the waters. The second thing is in lifeguarding, just like in business, we often have to be agile. We have to act quickly and take action. Well, that's the same in our businesses. If we wait too long, there's literally hundreds of stories of businesses that they didn't pivot, they weren't agile, and now there is no business, right? It's kind of like, I don't know if it's Kodak, but it's one of the photography Kodak, companies. Blockbuster, yes. you name and, them. Right? Yeah. So there's so many examples of that. So we have to be agile and we have Blackberry. to see. Blackberry. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, clear and constant communication. Like if you don't communicate with your channels, both the public, right? Being a lifeguard up above them and see what's going on and communicate with your uh, you know, the other guards, you may have a real serious emergency or a drowning. And that's the same in business. If you can't communicate properly with your customers, your clients, and then with your team, you're going to be in real trouble. And then the fourth thing was just how you uh, interact with people. You know, are you kind? Are you um, giving? You know, all these things matter because that's what they're going to remember, right? What if I was just, na- I've had a bad day and I was just nasty to someone that came up who had lost their child, which I happened a lot. What do you think they're going to remember from their trip to Virginia Beach? That they were panicked and they were so scared that their child had gotten lost or taken and that I was mean to them, right? Like they're going to remember that. But if I'm kind and you're helping them and you calm them down and you help reunite them with their child, I mean, now you, you're you so happy about the experience because everything worked out and the person was generous and kind, you know? And so that's what we have to do in business as well. I'm glad you're talking about that. And it's something that, you know, we're going to persistently, our, our listeners are going to hear us talk again and again about kindness and about love. And, uh, you know, love isn't necessarily always associated with business, but I actually believe that it's a essential component. Uh, first, you need to love what you do. Second, you need to love the people that you're doing it with uh, and uh, your customers. Uh, and and you need to treat people with love. And that that is... Uh, you know, uh, something that I think separates successful, happy, well-adjusted people and business from 
also runs and uh, and people that are struggling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a great book by Adam Grant. I don't know if you're if you've read his book. Huge fan. One, yeah, yeah, and one of them is yeah. called Give and Take. But it's it's not necessarily only about it's not about love, but it's about do the givers right, the kind people, the ones that are generous, do they come out on top, or do the takers come out on top? Top, and you'll all be happy to know if you haven't read it. The givers, the kind people, the generous people, even when you're going to gain nothing, we come out on top. Mm. So yay us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what, and and. That's great. And I, I didn't know that. And I think that's that's great. I also think it matters a little bit less because ultimately, you know, you have to live with yourself. Yeah. Um, and there's just nothing that beats being a kind, gentle, loving person. And uh, whether you you don't need to be cutthroat to be successful in business. In fact, I would argue that particularly in this era, uh, those that that subscribe to old notions of how to do business yeah. are almost guaranteed to fail. Does not translate um, well. Yeah. Kristen, last question. Um, you know, as as we think about listeners that are uh, listening to this podcast or watching this YouTube video, because they're struggling, they're facing some challenges in their business. Maybe they're kickstarting an entrepreneurial dream. Uh, maybe their business is on the verge of, of, of a setback or has suffered a setback. What would be one thing, one thing that a listener who's struggling right this minute could do right after they they finished listening to this podcast to move their their life and their business in a forward direction. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I could talk about so many things, but I'll just first say that, you know, I call myself an encourager a lot and, or for you guys, I said chief encourager, but it's really because I want to encourage people in a lot of ways, but I'll just share one tip for now. And I think it's, um, yes, you need to work on your business and bet on yourself and, you know, keep pushing forward, have that grit that's talked about. But what I would actually say is, I encourage you to work on being a better human. And here's what I mean by that. We can we should always be growing and learning. It's much like nature, right? It, trees, trees, nature, they thrive, their seasons. It's the same with humans. So if you're having a down moment, a down hard season, it's gonna ebb and flow. You're gonna come back. So what I would recommend is work on yourself, um, you know, physically, go walk, do something that's going to, uh, you know, lower your stress, help you feel better, get some sleep, mentally learn something new, read a book that makes you interested or curious or kind of like stretches your mind, work on your relationships, right? Go do something for yourself that's going to, you know, kind of self-care or just to let you reset. And um, the other thing I would say is people might be like, what? It's struggle is actually a good thing. Hardship, challenging yourself is a good thing. So as an example, in the plant world, the more that it, uh, uh, plants out, are outside in the environment, right? So there's hot days that they're dried out, and then there's days where they're really wet. They actually create more, um, what is it, polyphenols, which are actually protect the plant. And actually, they're better for us when we eat them. So much like humans, if we don't challenge ourselves, we don't grow, we're not learning, then we're, we're producing less than we're able. But I think if we work on these things, sometimes when we're having a hard season or we're struggling to get our business off the ground, we, we can put it in better perspective, right? That in all of our life, and when we look back on our life, right, when it's the end, that business is great and important and it might pay the bills, but it's actually deep connections. And it's, it's the impact and legacy that we leave in the world. And most of that comes back to what you said. Were we kind? Were we generous? Did we love people well? And did we share what we needed to share when we were here? And so that's what I would leave people with. 
I Mike love drop. that. That's great. And, uh, you know, uh, I, in essence, I think I, I would sum that up to do something positive for someone, including yourself, actually, this, you know, loving yourself is a really important aspect of being uh, a complete human and a successful business person. So do something kind. That would be the, it sounds to me like that's what you're recommending. When you, when, when this podcast ends, find one kind thing you could do today and then build on that. Uh, and, uh, I think that's, that's, that's beautiful and wonderful. Um, Kristen, where can people find you? Uh, if they're interested in, obviously they can, they can listen to your, your great podcast, building a life you love faith fueled woman, but where can they find you? Yeah, I think the best place is to start at kristenfitch.com. And I'm going to, uh, before this airs, once you tell me the date, I'm going to try to put up a, you know, something for your guests and it'll be at kristenfitch.com slash brave. So we'll make sure awesome. we get that to you before this airs. Oh, beautiful. That's very kind of you. So our guest was Kristen Fitch. She's a podcaster and online business and technology strategy consultant entrepreneur. Uh, she has um, accomplished some really neat things. Being a top 5% podcast is a big accomplishment in building a life you love. It's a top 5% podcast. Faith-Fueled Woman It's a top 10% podcast. She's uh, uh, She's been uh, very forthcoming about things that didn't go so well, uh, as well as uh, telling you about things that did and how she got there. Uh, Kristen, it's been a huge pleasure. I'm grateful to have you here. Uh, and I look forward to learning more about what you're doing. And hey, who knows, maybe Braving Business can be part of this uh, network you're building. Awesome. Thank you so much for both both of you for having me. I loved our conversation yeah, today. Thank you for your time and your honesty as well. That was wonderful. Yeah. And that's a wrap, folks. Thank you for being a part of the Braving Business Podcast listening audience. Be on the lookout for our weekly interviews with fascinating leaders in business and gain insight into their mindset of how they took to braving business in their own lives and careers. Check us out on YouTube, LinkedIn, and all of your favorite streaming services. Thank you again, and we'll see you next time on the Braving Business Podcast.